All right. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Thank y'all, Ben. That was great, by the way. Um, for y'all that don't know me, my, my name is Pike, and um, I'm currently attending McDowell Tech. Um, wanting to get my two-year transfer degree there and transfer to um, Southeastern Baptist Seminary and obtain my um, bachelor's and my master's in divinity and hopefully one day my PhD, but that's a while down the road, so we're not going to worry about that yet. <laughs> but tonight we're going to be talking about um, the fiery furnace um, and about a very sensitive subject. It's on the subject of suffering. Uh, we'll be diving into a story of the three men who stood up to the most powerful man in the world and said we weren't going to bow down. Um, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And that's tonight's sermon title, The Fiery Furnace. About four years ago, um, we lost someone in my family uh, who was very close to us. Um, he was a very healthy man, and he loved God like no one, out, no one else I had known when I was that little. Uh, he was selfless. He loved our family a lot. And he was very key in the development of my family as we are here today. Um, he was my Pepaw Randy. Uh, he died... With the, most, with the rarest form of leukemia, which is a blood cancer. And uh, the question we were asking were, was why. Why, God, did you let him die and not one of us? We felt like we were so far away from God before he died. Um, and we were, so, we were asking why. We had no idea why he had died. There was no reason for his death, or so we thought. Um, we were far, really far away from God, like I said. And in general, we weren't much of a family. But as my family is here today, um, now we understand and we know that God was in the midst of our suffering. When we were feeling the pain and the weight of the suffering and his death, but God stood in the midst of it and we were brought back to God and eventually we were actually started attending here and it was awesome. <laughs> but tonight the story will bring us to the fiery furnace, and in the midst of it stood the creator, the perfect son of God. And he didn't save them from the fire, he saved them while they were in the fire. And if you leave tonight without knowing anything, that's the one thing I want you to know. God saved them in the fire, not from the fire. But before we get to that, let's go to uh, go over some, some content before this. So King Nebuchadnezzar had just come to the land of Judah, and he had taken... Um, the Israelites captive and he took the royal family the nobility and the brightest young men there and the three uh, the, the four in the text that's, point out, it, that's pointed out is Daniel uh, Hananiah Mishael and Azariah and the last three are Shadrach Meshach and Abednego um, in the very beginning of the book Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego um, stand up and say, we're not going to defile ourselves with the food uh, that you eat because King Nebuchadnezzar said, we're going to teach them uh, everything that we know. We're going to raise them up and they're going to be like us. We're going to take them away from their culture and we're going to make them exactly like we are. So they're going to eat what we're going to eat and they're going to drink what we drink. But these four stood up and said, we're not going to eat it. Uh, we love our God. We're going to follow his commands and his, his statutes. Um, so that same boldness that we see in that story is the same boldness we're going to see in the story tonight. So now we're at a point where um, Nebuchadnezzar builds this giant image and uh, 
Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So to give you an idea about how big this thing was, it was um, in feet, it was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. So this thing was massive, and obviously this guy thought a lot about himself. <laughs> so he set it up, and um, he invited all these people, all of them, um, I'm guessing all the upper class of the day. He invited them to come to the dedication of the image. And he appointed these people to play music. And at, when they played this music, uh, he commanded all the people to bow down. And there were thousands of people there. Um, verse 4 says, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of I'm not going to go through all those instruments. Every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the, all the music, every, uh, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Um, so now they play the music and everybody bows down. But there's the, the three that was in the first story that stood up, stand up again and say, we're not going to bow down uh, to this image. But if you think about it, there's thousands of people around them. And all their countrymen that had been taken with them are around them, and they're all bowing down. So the peer pressure on them right now is amazing. It's, it's a way that I couldn't, I couldn't imagine having for my, my peers. But they have all this pressure, and... Um, and it's great. They're, stand, they're still standing. Uh, I read this book called The Jesus Code. It's a yearly devotional. And um, it's a devotional about questions, scripture questions. Uh, it's a great book, and I would recommend it for anybody who was looking for a devotional. But here, listen to this statement. It says, your faith will be tested. Woven through Daniel 3, 1 through 12 is the concept of peer pressure. It would have been easy for these three young men to give in and to get lost in the ways of that time. After all... Everyone else was bowing down to that image. It is so easy to go along with the crowd as we tell ourselves that even though we are bowing down on the outside, we are still standing on the inside. So it would have been really easy for them to think we're bowing down on the outside, but on the inside we're still standing up for God. But instead, they, they, they took the stand and they said we're not going to bow down. So the first point tonight is don't give in. Don't give in. And these three men didn't. In reality, actually, they're, they're teenagers, but for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call them men. Um, but the application here is don't bow down. And don't meta metaphorically, don't bow down to the things our culture brings to us. Um, in today's time, so many things are brought to us um, that our culture condones and our culture accepts. But God's word plainly points out it's wrong. And whether the thing that they bring before us needs interpretation or whether it does not, whether it's plainly pointed out, don't give in to the, the pressure of the culture because they're gonna, it's, it's, it's heavy. All right, so going on, the, king, uh, the Chaldeans point out to the king that the three are not bowing, and the, the king brings them before him. Uh, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden names that I have set up? That question right there, is it true, is the same question 
the culture brings to us whenever, whenever uh, we, all this pressure is on us. They say, is it true you don't do the things that we do? Is it true that you don't serve uh, the gods we serve? Is it true that you serve the God you say you serve? Is it true that Jesus Christ is the Savior? So that's the question they're going to bring to us. Um, verse 16, listen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answer. It's so simple, yet it's very intricate in its wording. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they say, we don't even have to answer that. We already said we're not going to bow down. We're not going to do it. Um, and our God's going to save us from this fire. And he's going to save us from you too. Even though you're the most powerful man in the world, he's going to save us from you. But if he does not, and that, that's very significant. He says, but even if God does not, we're not going to bow down and worship your gods. So let me ask the question. Would you be able to say that to our culture? Would you be able to say, uh, I'm going to go that length and not bow down to the things of the culture? And this really hit me when I was creating this sermon. Would you go the length that they're willing to go? Are you willing to take the stand like they are and have boldness and faith in God? Um, whether it be a certain sin, whether it be suffering, whether it be a challenge, um, these men were willing to go that length to obey and serve God, uh, to die and be burned alive in the name of God and for him because they wouldn't bow down. Uh, the second point tonight is God is with you through your furnace of life. God is with you through your furnace of life. So the first point was don't give in. The second point, God is with you through your furnace of life. Um, now we're going to focus on where they're being thrown into the furnace. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. So he wasn't just mad, he was furious. And he went from looking something like this to like, he went from like the, the smiley face emoji to the blowing smoke out the nose. Uh, he was mad, he was absolutely furious. In um, his perspective, you have to look at it as he had three little punks from Judah stand up to him and he's the king and they said no. So they kind of just like spit in his face. So he is mad. Um, Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them to the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown to the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was so urgent, the furnace was overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, I want to pause here for just a second and look at a couple things in those verses. So he didn't just order regular soldiers. He ordered mighty men. These were the mightiest men of the army. And they bound up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure their hands were tied behind their back. And um, they're bringing them to the fire. But where the fire was so hot, it burned up the mighty men. Um, 
something to point out there. The, the three were probably in front of these mighty men, and the mighty men were either pushing them or holding them to throw them in the fire. But the fire got the mighty men and not the three. That seems so illogical to me. I don't, I don't know how that didn't happen. Um, but we can notice there that God is already working his plan of salvation out in their lives from the fire. And that's important to us, too, because that means that in our times of trouble, in our, in our suffering, God's already working it out beforehand, before we even know what's going on, before we um, get to our furnace of life. God's already working it out, and he already knows what he's doing. Um, the second thing these three men weren't crying out to be saved from God, or from the fire, sorry. <laughs> they weren't crying out to be saved by God from the fire. Uh, another statement from the Jesus Code. One more point worth noting. These faithful and courageous men did not ask God to deliver them. They were seeking his face, not his hand of help. They threw themselves on him and his higher will for their lives, regardless of the outcome. So they literally threw themselves on his will. They weren't seeking his power to save them, even though they wanted that. I mean, I'm sure they didn't want to go through the furnace because it's terrible. I mean, that's something terrible. But they saw it more important that they threw themselves on to God's will for their lives than to back down and say, save us. Um, so verse 24, we're going now. The king, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. Um, he declared to his counselors, did we not cast the three men into the bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So now that they're in the fire, um, King Nebuchadnezzar is looking in, which that's going to be significant to the next point. But while he's looking in, he sees four people, and they're Unbound, they're standing in the fire. So they're not being consumed by the fire, but they're standing in the fire. The first thing he noticed was the three were unbound and they were walking in the fire. The second thing he noticed was there was a fourth person in the fire. And from the, from the words, I'm sure you all understand, that's Jesus. It's, this is what's called a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, but Jesus, the holy sacrificial lamb of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he was in the fire. He was with them in the fire. He was close with them. He didn't want to just save them from the fire. He wanted to save them in the fire. He wanted to work in that. He wanted to be close with them in their suffering. Uh, whatever it may be for you, your temptation, your challenges, the deaths, cancer, sickness, Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Whatever it is, Jesus will be with you in that fire. He was in it with them, and he'll be in it with us. But can you feel the weight of that? We're so unholy, we don't deserve that. And God, the holy God, is willing to be in the fire with us. He's willing to go through whatever it may be with you. Not only does he save you in the fire, but he goes with you in the fire. Another thing to point out before we're done with this point is um, it's on the topic of suffering, but it's not in this book. It's in the first chapter of James, verse 2, and it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith 
produces steadfastness. So during our suffering, during our trials, God wants to produce and develop our character, um, a part of who we are. He wants to produce the steadfastness that comes with suffering um, by testing our faith. So the third point tonight is going to be people notice your mannerisms during suffering. And as we go on in the story, we notice that the three were not harmed and they come out of the fire uh, with not even the smell of smoke on them. Verse 26 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not, had not any power over their bodies. The hair of their heads was not singed, the clo- their cloaks were not harmed, and no smear- smell of the fire had come upon them. So immediately, Nebuchadnezzar notices that they were servants of the Most High God. So he knew about God. He knew kind of who he was, but... Because of their suffering, their suffering was a testimony to him. Because they went through that, and he was looking into the furnace, and he saw when they came out, um, he noticed them as servants of the Most High God. He knew that they were different. Um, he, knew that, he knew by the, th- the three's response beforehand um, that they were different and that they weren't going to bow down. So King Nebuchadnezzar blesses God and... Um, and he, he now knows that God is the only God who's going to save. And he knows that God is the only God who reigns. Um, so he was looking in, and that's the point. During our su- suffering, people look in, people on the outside look into us. They see how we act, how we react to suffering, and our mannerisms, how we manner ourselves, and what we manner ourselves after. Um, and because of the, his encountering with them um, and all the people around him that were close, because they, he had encountered them and encountered God and their suffering, he was changed. And as far as we know, God had entered his life at that point. And if you look on into chapter 4 um, of Daniel, you can see that um, God changes him and God humbles him uh, because he was prideful. Um, so the three's, tes- the three's testimony um, was very important to us, uh, to him, sorry. <laughs> but what's some specifics, like how do we act during suffering? And I can't go through all of them, it'd take me forever. <laughs> but we can look at something like happiness um, or joy. And Paul is, is a great example of this. I'm sure you all know the most misquoted verse in the Bible is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What's the context of that verse? Um, so Paul has been beaten. He's, he's suffered at many people groups' hands. Uh, he's been everywhere. He's, uh, and now he's in prison. When he writes that, he's in prison, he's bound up, and someone is writing the words that he speaks. And what he's saying is, Jesus is the one that gives me the strength to continue. Jesus is the one that gives me the joy in the midst of my suffering. My happiness does not count on my circumstances. Rather, it's my joy comes from my identity in Christ. 
So we know that God magnificently worked through Paul, um, through his life, and we have just about everything he wrote down. But Paul didn't let his circumstances dictate whether or not he was happy or whether he had joy because he found that in Christ alone. So tonight, will you let your circumstances determine your happiness or will will you let your identity in Christ and knowing God determine your joy and your happiness in the midst of your suffering? Um, To sum all this up, the culture presses in on us. They question us. They see if we'll bow down to to their customs. When we go through the furnace of life, God is with us. Um, he goes through the fire with us, and he doesn't only he can save us from the fire, and sometimes he might. But more importantly, he saves us. Or, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> he can save you from the fire, but more importantly, he saves you in the fire. He lets the fire purify our lives and cleanse us and bring us to him. Also, one more thing before I'm done. Something very interesting to point out. Um, we've seen Jesus in the furnace with the three. But about 600 years down the road, he would be in that same furnace again, except he would be by himself. And it would be on a cross. And he would do it to take our sins and our shame. And he would do it because he loved us. Um, That same king that was in the fire with the three is the same king that went through the fire again by himself for us. Uh, So let me pray over the sermon, and then I'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night that you've given uh, given to us to gather here. Um, Lord, we thank you that you are with us in the fire and save us in the fire, not just from the fire. We thank you that you purify our lives and you develop our character and who we are. We thank you that you speak in our suffering to others and you minister to others. You minister to us in our suffering. And our joy counts on our identity and knowing you. Lord, I ask that you would um, work in our lives and continue to grow this church. And pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.